welcome to episode 21 of The Playground Project with me, your host, Tanya Pomerantz. I'm so happy you're here with me on The Playground today. On today's episode, I will be introducing you to another fantastic mystery guest. But before we meet him, I would like to invite you to follow me on Instagram at PuddleJumpCoaching001 and share the podcast with your friends. By now, you must know that I have been incredibly lucky to work with the most amazing colleagues. Today's mystery guest is yet another example of this. Please meet a wonderful man, dad, colleague, and person, my friend, Alexis Dominguez Ochoa. Welcome, Alexis. I am so delighted that you are on the playground with us today. Um, So before we go any further, I want to introduce you. So you are Alexis Dominguez Ochoa. Did I say that right? That's completely correct. Yes. Yay. And (laughs) you are an applied linguist, and it says T-E-S-L. That's what your LinkedIn profile says, but you are so much more, and I know that. So welcome, Alexis. This is going to be fun. Amazing. Thank you so much for inviting me to your space, uh, Tonya. I've been looking forward to this opportunity. So I'm actually, I would say that I'm an applied linguist. My profession is to actually work with language and solve problems with language. TESL acronym is due to that I have certification in teaching English as a second language. So uh, some of my professional background is in second language education, particularly English. But now I'm also a teacher of Spanish as a foreign language in Canada. Now, my other hat is (laughs) as an acting manager in the community economic development programs at CISO, which basically um, uh, focus on supporting newcomers in Canada to resume their careers. So very much related with employment uh, support for newcomers. Mm-hmm. And that is where we met. It feels like forever ago, but it wasn't. How long ago was it, Alexis? I believe it was 2019. I was actually finishing my master's degree and I had this amazing opportunity to participate in a research project that planned to support newcomers with low language skills and low education levels to get a job in Canada. But once uh, these newcomers get a job in Canada, they still face a lot of challenges in their integration process in their new jobs. So my project focused on helping these newcomers to develop communication skills that will help them better integrate in in those jobs, right? Like uh, have more uh, meaningful conversations with uh, co-workers, have effective communication with supervisors, managers, and also for those who have some interactions with customers, uh, we support them uh, with uh, developing some crucial skills, right? So it it was a really kind of nice transition for me to incorporate, uh, you know, second language uh, acquisition theory with real needs, with real challenges that people face in the community, right? So going back to your question, yes, it was almost four years ago, three years ago and a half. 
and so, you know, sometimes we learn things academically, right? We learn the theory, the theory behind things. Was there, you know, when you started working with people on this research project and stuff, was basically your theory coming to life? Like, was the theoretical stuff coming to life? Completely. Completely. Because it was actually using theory to solve real problems. And that's actually one of the main goals of uh, this field, applying linguistics, right? What we try to do here is to solve any problems and just give you other other professions in that field is uh, translators. So translators also solve uh, problems, right? In my case, it was helping people who had some communication barriers, communication challenges and needs to be more effective in, in their interactions at work. So that's actually, you know, solving uh, a problem with the language. And of course, a lot of the research, a lot of the product that we develop through this project is completely based in current um, methodologies in second language acquisition. That sounds like it would be very gratifying. Absolutely. You know what? I think I got married to that that uh, particular project. Uh, first of all, because I was working with very talented people. And second, because you can see a direct effect of your work in someone else's life. You can see when people start feeling uh, more comfortable with themselves at the work, and they communicate that to you, you see that it's working. You see that your work is actually, you know, having some some positive effect in someone else's life. Mm, I love, I absolutely love to hear that. Now, let's go back to when you were younger, because that's when things kind of start percolating in our minds. Did you know what you wanted to be when you grew up? Short answer is no. When I was younger, particularly a teenager, I can see that my life was a little bit too blurry. <laughs> I was a little bit more focused on other things. <laughs> I was a little bit more focused on, on friends, on, you know, <laughs> these, these kind of things. I just wanted to be cool. I just wanted to be connected with others. I was very close to my dad at that time, and he was, and still is, uh, my role model. Uh, I would say that it was my only kind of guidance in terms of professional aspirations. The only thing that I wanted to be professionally speaking is to replicate whatever my dad did. He was a teacher. He uh, he was a musician, and I wanted to also follow that path. But I wasn't sure that I wanted to do it. So it was not, uh, you know, part of my, my, my role. So what I can just say is that there was a lot of confusion for me. So, and there were other priorities. There were other priorities, a bit of confusion, maybe a lack of focus. And let's just talk about where you grew up. Yeah, for, um, so I'm from Mexico. I'm uh, originally from uh, south of Mexico. I was living in a, in a very small town where everyone is connected. You can go outside and, uh, you know, go downtown and you will meet a person the same day every day. So <laughs> it was a very kind of safe place to, to be. I got a lot of friends there, uh, but soon I realized that I wanted to go out of that 
of that world. So uh, I uh, I decided to do a bachelor's in uh, business administration, also trying to follow my my dad's uh, career path, in uh, particular in the hospitality sector. So I went to another city in Mexico, in uh, the coast of uh, the Pacific, and I did my uh, bachelor's degree uh, there. And still there, after completing my bachelor's, I wasn't sure that I wanted to be what I was doing at that time. I started uh, working in a hotel as a bartender, so uh, it was a kind of crazy life there. <laughs> I was enjoying it at that time, but no clear path of my uh, profession or my uh, uh, professional goals. So kind of living in the in the moment, having a good time and being very cool. That was a priority for sure. And was that like high school? Like, is it the same way in, in Mexico as it is here where you have, you know, your elementary school and then you have your middle school, I guess, and then you have your high school? Exactly. That's uh, completely, completely the same, the same structure. And then straight out into university or is there a something? That's right. That's right. After high school, uh, you have the option of either choosing a type of college or uh, university, right? Uh, so in my case, it was university. It was a bachelor's in, in business administration because I guess at that time I wanted to have my own business, my own bar. <laughs> oh, And that, that was uh, the kind of only element that kept me going with that particular field, with that particular profession. Uh, but soon after, after working in the hospitality sector, particularly hotel industry, uh, bars, I decided that, yeah, that wasn't my thing. And then I changed. And then I changed uh, my career path. I uh, started exploring um, teaching, uh, first mm -hmm. in a small uh, high school. Uh, it was a private high school, and I was just teaching a couple hours there. And just out of the record, it was a really difficult transition of my life. I still have nightmares sometimes of how challenging it was for me. And and to be honest, at one point during that experience, I kind of hated being a teacher. And then I quit being a teacher. And then I decided to move to Canada for a couple of years. And same reason, the reason is that there wasn't any any plans there. And my only intention was to actually improve my English skills. So I just took some uh, courses. I, I And my main goal was to meet people, live the moment. But it was only after I came back from, from uh, Canada that I had a chance to resume my activities as a teacher. But this time, I noticed that there was a lot of demand of English teachers in my hometown. Mm. Uh, so kind of I had a smooth transition into this world of second language education. And the only skill that I had at that time, it was my previous teaching experience and that I was a little bit more able to communicate in English. Um, so during the first uh, couple of years, I started to, you know, feeling very comfortable and happy about that, that activity. And then I decided to take that a little bit more seriously. So I started to take in a couple certifications, a couple of trainings, and then I found out myself very much involved 
in that role. And it was only at that time that I found my professional passion. And I was 30 years old by that time. So <laughs> as you can imagine, it was a little bit too late, probably, I could say, in my life when I found and <laughs> I had this realization that, yes, this is exactly what I want to do the rest of my life. Okay. So as a career development professional, it's never too late, right? Absolutely. I could say that it's never too late. And what I have found with my own experience, and I have seen especially, you know, working very closely with many newcomers coming to uh, to this country, is that you can always change professions at any point of your life. It's never it's never too late. I think I'm I, I'm more aware now of uh, the value of transfer of skills, mm-hmm. and you know, using these transfer of skills in professions that you could never imagine, right? And that you can have still a very fruitful, a very positive experience if you if you focus on, on a different job. You know, uh, uh, the perspective of having a specialization in a one particular topic is now limited to very specific professions, right? you know, the health sector, for instance, yeah. or uh, a specific type of lawyers, I would say. But uh, what I can see now, more value is to actually develop an array of skills, right? Skills in so many different ways. And then you become a particular, I, I don't want to say this word, but product, I would, I would just say, uh, with a unique set of values and and assets and experiences mm-hmm. that you can exploit in different ways so just coming back to my own i would say professional profile now i'm very much involved in in the employment sector but i'm still an applied linguist i'm still very passionate about second language acquisition and i think that both worlds can merge and create something unique uh, mm-hmm. so i think that I possess a particular set of values and experience that are unique and are valuable for someone and it can be effective anywhere. So it's a wonderful marriage uh, between linguistics and employment, because I remember my one of my mentees, he's um, he told me that when he learned English, it was like opening up a treasure chest and and learning English was like getting the keys to the treasure chest and being mm-hmm. able to access so much. And that leads to finding meaningful, sustainable and intentional employment. And so it's it's I can see a very much a connection between the two things. I think it's great. And my question to you, mister, is when you first started teaching, did you just kind of go in and say, hey, I want to teach? Like, how did you find that very first opportunity? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I I, I would say that I was a little bit scared of my, due to my previous teaching experience, which has, was a little bit more and more challenging. And uh, uh, yeah, I was skeptical also about my skills of teaching. But I soon started finding a lot of, um, you know, I was I was enjoying the time in front of uh, uh, other people, and I realized that it was also very beneficial for me because 
uh, whatever I was transferring to the students, I had to master it before mm-hmm. actually, you know, transfer that knowledge, right? So mm-hmm. that pushed my limits of learning and had to, you know, look for more information, look for more knowledge, for more skills before actually being in front of the classroom. And it kind of accelerated my learning uh, very much in so many different angles. So that was one of the positive things. But at the same time, you know, for me, being in front of the, uh, a group of students, particularly uh, adult uh, learners, it's a very motivating experience. It's always a very positive experience. I, I, I feel like a, like a superstar. <laughs> that is, you know, singing to a thousand uh, people. I have that kind of uh, connection. I uh, sometimes I, I kind of, you know, look at the mirror and say, "Is, is that you actually doing <laughs> what you are doing in in the classroom?" It's like like two different different people, right? So yeah, I started having those positive feelings, and of course. Uh, positive feedback from students, from uh, supervisors, and everything combined uh, was something that was telling me, yes, I think you're in the right place. And when you said that you came to Canada to practice your English, why did you not go to the United States? Wow. You know, I have a lot of family. I'm from Mexico and so many uh, Mexicans have <laughs> connections in the U.S., right? And definitely a lot of people, a lot of relatives were asking exactly the same question. Why are you going to the North Pole <laughs> at yes. that time? I don't know. I uh, I have a kind of disconnection with uh, American culture. I love many things. I love the country. I love, you know, so many great things. In, in that country, but I, I I still feel a little bit too disconnected uh, from from the U.S. And Canada seemed more like a friendly neighbor. I always saw Canada as a very peaceful uh, country, <laughs> like a place that you have uh, a little bit more freedom, that people tend to be nicer, mm-hmm. and that's exactly why I I have experience in um, the years that I've been been in this country. Nice. It's always good to hear something like that. And which city did you come to the first time you were here? Can you guess? I was looking for kind of crazy life. I was looking for something, you know, like partying all night long, being everywhere and anywhere. Can you guess? There's two places. Yeah. I'm thinking Montreal or Toronto. Yes, it was Toronto. Yeah, I yeah. was thinking and Toronto, was, but then I'm like, a very but fun it truly, place. It, yeah, yeah, but it truly met my expectations. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, so, okay, sure. which then when, so how did you find yourself, you know, you're you're down there, you're teaching, and then how did you find yourself back here, and why Ottawa? So many questions. Yeah, yeah perfect. First of all, it was a great experience that I have so many years ago, right? Even though I was in that kind of party mood, I still uh, kind of created really nice, nice connections. So I had a really good memories. So that's, that was one thing. And then when I was, uh, you know, I get to a point, I got to a point uh, when I was teaching that I found myself that I, I was lacking some 
skills, some resources to keep uh, teaching at the quality level that I was I was expecting at this time. So I decided to to pursue a master's degree. So I started exploring programs, and definitely Canada was my first option. Starting applying to some universities, and I got approved at Carleton University. Yay. And I, I was very very lucky to land in that program, applied linguistics and discourse studies, because it was also uh, just amazing amazing experience for me. Wow. And that's, is that where you met uh, Alex? Exactly. That's correct. So I met wonderful people there. And particularly towards the end of uh, my master's degree, I, uh, I was invited to participate in the research project that I mentioned uh, earlier today. And yes, the person who was uh, coordinating that project was actually teaching assistant in one of my courses. Alex was, I still miss her a lot because mm-hmm. she was amazing uh, in every sense of the word. She was leading the project with OCSOM, and then she started collaborating with a couple props uh, from uh, uh, the Plain Linguistics uh, program. And uh, those props were also super supportive. They invited me to the uh, to participate participate in the project as a research assistant. And it was just a, a terrific experience because I developed so many different skills that I didn't have, particularly as a researcher. But, you know, um, the networking uh, element mm-hmm. was crucial. Connecting mm-hmm. with these people and expanding my network was definitely extremely, extremely useful for me. If I can transition a little bit the topic here, I, I would mm-hmm. like to emphasize that in particular, that it was my network, the one that allowed me to achieve what I have achieved so far in Canada, both as a second language instructor, but also in the employment sector as well. So it was due to the connections that I built that I was able to access to better better opportunities. So whenever I go, and particularly whenever I meet newcomers uh, that are facing a lot of challenges and barriers to to resume their careers in Canada. I always emphasize, you know, how crucial it is to you know develop a good network in Canada, right? Absolutely, it's foundational and fundamental. And the idea of leaving your uh, your personal and professional network that you've been building up for your entire life, only to come to a new country, to a new environment, to a new culture and not know anyone, that is daunting, to say the least. And that's why anytime that I I meet somebody new to Ottawa, whether they're, you know, from another country or another city, if they're a newcomer to Ottawa, I always want to make sure, hey, let's get on LinkedIn, like check out my LinkedIn people, see if there's anybody there that you want to meet. You know, if I go into teach at Algonquin, or, you know, speak at Algonquin, it's the same thing. Like, Use LinkedIn. It's an incredibly important resource. And I think to have you and your knowledge and your lived experience in understanding how valuable it is to create and nurture your networks is 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 really important. So absolutely, absolutely. And I want just to uh, probably make a parenthesis here that uh, Tonya, you have also played 
a crucial role in supporting so many people in Canada. I'm still, uh, you know, receiving so many messages from people, uh, success stories of, um, you know, of the benefits of you supporting them, connecting with other other professionals, right, in, in Canada as well. Close parentheses. Close parentheses. <laughs> I, that makes me very happy. Should I open parentheses and then say that and then just close parentheses? I don't know, but I'm so grateful for that because that that nurtures my my soul. And so I'm kind of questioning now, where can you see yourself in the future? Yeah, well, um, now that I'm in a management uh, position, I'm also learning and, and developing other skills that I, I didn't have. I'm very much enjoying what I'm doing, particularly because I'm working with a very talented uh, group of uh, team members, and it's it's just a joy to see uh, the great things that people can contribute right in their in their programs and projects. Mm-hmm. And uh, but now I, I'm playing a different role. I'm not uh, a frontline worker. I'm I'm now more in a position of actually leading, supporting people, facilitating their uh, their projects. And, and also kind of seeing things in a more kind of big picture scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, the type of interactions are also changing a little bit more because I'm now uh, more connected with other project managers, senior management as well. So the kind of interactions, communications, it's, it's a little bit different. I'm very much enjoying the experience. So... At least in the next uh, couple of years, I would like to focus on developing those skills, on uh, becoming more, you know, confident with those those skills, and I don't know, probably continuing uh, providing supports to newcomers. I will never leave my second uh, profession, second language education, because it's it's just uh, too good too good to to be. Uh, left aside, so still not sure about how that's going to look like, but at least in the short term, you know, uh, focusing on, yes, uh, uh, improving those skills. But yes, I do need to, I do believe that you will be in front of students again, and you will be the rock star teacher, professor, instructor, guru that you are. I know that. And so uh, my question then for you is what motivates you? There's a lot of things that uh, motivates me. Definitely, as I mentioned, and I repeatedly say this, uh, definitely being in front of the classroom is very, very motivating. Um, working with, you know, also motivated people, uh, mm. people that are share this, Similar values, similar goals as well. It's also very motivating. Uh, so every every day is it's just a joy for me to to interact with my team members. My family motivates me a lot. Um, they are the kind of rechargeable battery that I I have every single night. I love music. I love nature. I love dogs. I don't have a dog, but uh, yes. <laughs> I wish I could. I could. Yet, exactly. <laughs> I would say a lot of things. Yeah. Okay. Which lends us to the next question. What are your top three values in life? With my new role, I'm, I'm kind of 
prioritizing other other value. I think I'm I, I'm I'm focusing a lot on kindness, on uh, respect, mm-hmm. on integrity, particularly on the, on the professional professional side. But family definitely is is a big value for me. I'm just stuck with the kindness, respect, integrity. Uh, I'm recapping your love of music because you were a DJ. <laughs> That's another another hat. Uh, a bad DJ. Oh, but, did uh, you say a bad DJ? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I mentioned this once to you. Life is too short to be excellent in everything, but I want to be. I want to experience everything, and I'm learning uh, so many hobbies. I, I love photography. I'm a bad photographer, but I love. Uh, um, capturing moments. I'm, uh, I have a passion for electronic music and I love the world of electronic music. So I'm also a DJ, a bad DJ, but I, I, I experienced that as well. <laughs> I'm smiling because I have no doubt that you are not a bad DJ. And <laughs> I've, I've seen your pictures. I know you're not a bad photographer. So, but I love the idea of you can't be excellent at everything, but you can at least try things and you don't have to be perfect at it. Exactly. Exactly. I like that. So do you have a favorite quote or words that you live by apart from you don't have to be excellent at everything? Yeah, I was, I was actually thinking and reflecting about this. I don't, I don't have any kind of uh, you know, you know what I what I found things change a lot. At one point of my life, I could probably have something set on stone, and then years after, things change. And I was pursuing different things. I was valuing things differently. I I was motivated with different things. So yeah, I would only say that change is the only element. <laughs> that I can't uh, live by because, I don't know, tomorrow morning I can think about someone else, something else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, you're still the cool guy. Thank you. I, I try to be that for my son and for someone else, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Alexis, thank you so much for hanging out on the playground with us today. It was really cool. Just talking with you and hearing your journey and just kibitzing about how important connection is and this has just been lovely and I think you're lovely you know I'm a huge fan of yours so thank you so much for being here my pleasure Tonya thank you for for the invite again and I I really had a great time today excellent we'll talk to you soon okay take care my friend okay you too bye-bye Alexis, applied linguist, solves problems using language, teaches Spanish as a foreign language, acting manager at Osiso, and a very cool guy. We learned about his master's project, which focused on helping newcomers to develop communication skills to them integrate more effectively into the labor market. Learning English allows newcomers to have more meaningful conversations with their coworkers have effective communication with their managers and customers. The transition from his master's project to working at the Community Economic Development Department at OCISO, an immigrant-serving organization in Ottawa, was seamless. 
Back in the day, Alexis didn't know what he wanted to be when he grew up, but he found inspiration in his father. Although his dad was a teacher and a musician, Alexis himself was a bit unfocused with a few competing priorities in his life. He shared the joy he gets from being a rock star in the classroom and being able to help teach his students. He also learned that you can always change professions in your life. You can always pivot. We talked about what motivates him and what he values. He told us that he espouses the idea that life is too short to be excellent at everything. You can try different things, and you don't have to be perfect. He is a DJ, a photographer, a musician, a teacher, a husband, a dad, and one very cool guy. Thanks so much for sharing your journey and hanging out with us on the playground, Alexis. Speaking of cool, please join me on the playground next week when I will be having another fabulous career chat with another awesome mystery guest. Until that time, I invite you to follow me on Instagram at PuddleJumpCoaching001. I wish you a wonderful week. And remember, you don't have to be perfect. Just go for it. Until next week, when we jump into the future together.